Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. Show. Glad to have you all here with me. Also glad to be sharing this time with none other than DJ Carrot Sticks. I guess that one button needs to be turned on, right? <laughs> yeah. How about that? Um, so glad to have you all here with me. We have a jam-packed show. I've got some amazing guests that are going to be on with me today as well. We've got David Horowitz, author of the New York Times bestselling book, Big Agenda, all about Trump and his big agenda. We've got Dr. Keith Ablo, that hunky Dr. Keith Ablo from the Fox News Medical A-Team going to be with here with me to talk about all the crazy that's happening with this election. And we're going to have doctor, another doctor, this time a PhD is going to be with us, Dr. Herb London, who's going to talk about the appointment or the nomination of uh, McMaster as the NSA. We're kicking off the show, though, because more stuff is happening with the immigration situation, part of which Trump talked about at his rally over the weekend. You know, I've been saying for years on the Andrea K. show that the number one issue that we face involves the border. We've got a southern border that is just an, a sieve leaking in everything from illegals, criminal elements who want to, to want to do all kinds of harm to America and not the not to mention not just those that killed Kate Steinland, that type of criminal illegal element or the drug lords coming across. But there's also Islamic terrorists coming across the southern border. We've also got an economic border that's a main issue that involves the TPP. We've got cyber border that's been hacked. And we're not even talking about the dopey Russian hacking situation. We're talking about, you know, China and the kind of hacking involving there. But then also the virtual border involved with the visas and the refugee program coming in. So Donald Trump did what he said he was going to do, and he came out with an executive order right out the gate, fulfilling his campaign promises. And of course, you know, we the executive order for extreme vetting to do everything that he can to stop Islamic terrorists from coming in through the visa program and refugee program. Well, of course, we have the Ninth Circuit Quarter Slameels. I think they were my fool or tool, won my fool and tool award a couple of weeks ago. Uh, did what they, what liberals do and activist judges do. They tried to stop the common sense plan that Donald Trump had to keep America safe. Well, immigration news today, he's come up with a replacement executive order for that travel ban. He's just going to tweak it a little bit. They are not going to stop Donald Trump from keeping Americans safe. He's going to take out, make sure that the next executive order uh, makes it easier for anybody with green cards, people en route to come here. Those are a couple of the changes that are going to take place. Another suggestion is it it might include non-Muslim countries. He's going to do what he's got to do to tweak his plans to fulfill his campaign promises of keeping us safe. And that was also what his speech was about when he talked about Sweden at the rally. And I'm disappointed even hearing conservatives saying, criticizing Trump as though his comments were somehow so untruthful or propagating some kind of lie. No, what he stated was clear when he talked about Sweden, that they are importing large numbers of people and they've got problems as associated with that. And you know what? It's not just Sweden. It's all across Europe and the world. He was quite clear about that. There's even people on conservatives and in the media acting as though he did something as outrageous as stepping to the microphone and spewing out a lie like if you like your doctor you can keep your doctor or how about the real big doozy of americans died in benghazi because of a spontaneous uprising involving a video that's not what happened here he spoke the truth about the scourge of radical islam that's taken over Europe. And you know what? It's not even just as a result of the refugee crisis that was coming out of Syria and the flood that was in large part due to President Obama. But even if he wasn't as clear as people would like, he spoke the truth about what was happening there. 
And I know that I would much rather have a president of the United States who's willing to address and be honest about the problem involved with the importation of not just terrorists through a refugee and and bad immigration policy, but a cultural issue, too, that involves bringing people into your country that possess a political ideology and mindset that does not comport with Western values, cultures, mores and laws. And that's the issue in large part that's happened with radical Islam as well in Europe. Uh, And, you know, I would rather have a president that's willing to be honest about it and deal with it than a president, Hillary, because as a presidential candidate, we know that Hillary Clinton knew quite well exactly what the issue was. It was revealed in WikiLeaks. They knew what the issue was. Hillary Clinton knew what the issue was, and the left-leaning media know what the issue is, but they're lying. They are enemies of the state of the people because they're not being honest about the issue. But let's – but, you know, the the Trump haters – Let's let's revisit some facts here because they're saying Trump wasn't clear. Well, let's 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 listen to how clear the issue is, according to Hillary Clinton and her people. And I quote from the WikiLeaks email, Muslims make up nine percent of Berlin's population, yet account for 70 percent of young repeat criminals. Forty six percent of Berlin's juvenile serial criminals are of Arab descent. Thirty three percent Turkey. More from the email. German, German police admit that there's large immigrant areas of Berlin, Hamburg, etc. with no-go areas. Remember, the left has been trying to tell us for a long time that that's a lie. It's absolute truth. There's almost 50 of these no-go areas that are in Sweden alone. That's what Donald Trump is trying to prevent happening here in this country. These no-go areas. I actually posted this morning a video from Berlin on my wall. I ask everybody to look at it. There is a war on truth happening right now, truth about a variety of issues, but especially the truth about the the threat that radical Islam faces to this country and not just the terrorists that want to come through here, but the culture itself. What stirred up this whole thing about Sweden that Trump was talking about? Jihad Watch reported in January that a Swedish woman was raped by three Muslim immigrants. I believe this was the story. There's so many, it's hard to keep track of it. That a, that a Swedish woman was, was raped by three Muslims, and it was broadcast on Facebook Live. But you know what? That's just one of many stories coming out of Sweden. I actually reported on the show a while back a Swedish woman who actually worked to help immigrants because she believed in multiculturalism and, and diversity was actually raped to death by a Muslim that she, she that she was attempting to help. Because when you import in a culture that is not compatible, that subjugates women, that believes in female genital mutilation, this is what you're going to have. Why can't we be honest about it? How has multiculturalism, and this is not a new phenomenon, this has been going on for decades. I've been talking about a book written by a gay liberal activist, Bruce Bauer, who couldn't stand the American conservative Christian right anymore. So he decided to move to the Holy Grail that was Scandinavia. And then he wrote a book about the reality of what this multiculturalist movement was doing. It has destroyed Europe, and we must stop it from happening here. There is no value in multiculturalism coming into any country because what it ends up doing is it ends up destroying. They are not going into these European countries. They did not go there with the idea of immigrating and assimilating. You watch that video that was actually in, involves footage from a Muslim journalist who went out undercover in her neighborhood in, in Brussels, and you will see it happening right there on the streets. There is no assimilation. These no-go areas, they, it, it, Islam is about conquest. And the Europeans made a mistake by bringing them all here, putting them in, the, bringing them all to Europe, putting them in these outlining areas so they wouldn't have to look at them and bump up against them. Sharia is not compatible. So these areas all became under Sharia and no-go areas. And then little by little by little, it has taken over entire nations. And that's what we're seeing happening. And God bless Donald Trump for trying to stop that here. We're going to take a break. Speaking of Donald Trump and his agenda, we come back. You're going to hear from David Horowitz. I had the pleasure of sitting down with him and talking to him about his new book, Big Agenda. The media that's waging that war on truth, they're trying to stop the truth about um, not just radical Islam, but what Trump's agenda is. And so they shunned him. They tried to not let his book be read. But you're going to hear from him. And it's a number one, not number one, I think it's number six on the New York Times bestselling list. So stay tuned. David Horowitz coming right back up. 
Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. I have no idea what song that was played by my boy, DJ Carrot Sticks. What was that, baby? Little Thunderstruck by ACDC. Ooh, excellent song. And I think that's perfect for my next guest because he's, he's, he's doing a little thunderstriking. I'm not sure if I got the right form of the verb there with his new book, Big Agenda, but it's David Horowitz, noted conservative commentator and New York Times bestselling author. Hi, David. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Thank you for having me. Okay, so you got a big new book called Big Agenda, and in spite of being shunned by the establishment media types, all them alphabet people at the ABC, CBSs, and all of them, your book is like number six on the bestseller list. So congratulations first on that. Thank you. And, you know, before we get into the details of the book and what it's all about, I got to pick your brain on this whole media dust up because, you know, Trump is being crucified by even Republicans, so-called Republicans, for his comments that he's making about the media being the enemies of the American people. But I look at the, the here's the media trying to shun you because you've got a book about Trump's agenda in his first 100 days in office. What do you have to say yeah, about this whole media thing? I actually thing? think Trump is... Well, first of all, those Republicans are idiots. They don't understand the political war. The New York Times on Sunday, its editorial refers to Trump, uh, Trump's policies and doings as malevolent incompetence. You think they applied that uh, to Obama, who betrayed this country by nuclear weapons, to a country whose leaders lead chance of death to America and then $200 billion that they can use on terrorist activities? You think they ever said anything nearly as about him? I, I don't understand Republicans who can't see. I mean, Republicans are just generally intimidated by a lying media which is all lined up for the political left. Well, so what not- Trump is doing is brilliant, actually. More attacks on the press they should have. I mean, you know, you don't attack everybody in the press. There are some reporters who are fair, but the majority are not. And no. the anchors are not. Right. And, uh, and the American... Even, you know, even Chris Wallace doesn't get... You have Fox, you have Shep Smith and Chris Wallace, and they're always... Whacking Trump in a way that would never think uh, they wouldn't lay a hand, you know, finger on on Barack Obama, who wrecked this country. Absolutely, I mean, I think responsible for ISIS and for the terrorism that's spreading across the world. That's Obama's doing. Uh, Let's not even mention how he wrecked the economy, the slowest recovery in, in history. Um, right. I think you're right. In fact, there was absolutely no no challenge whatsoever to Barack Obama, particularly not only was there no challenge to Barack Obama. I think the toughest questions he ever got was questioning on why he chose this particular combo platter at a Mexican restaurant over the carnitas. But you look at what was happening during Benghazi. Not only was there no no challenging him on that. We actually had collusion with the media back in 2012 yeah. with Candy Crowley going on. Now today. Today we have a, a new national security advisor, General McMaster. I'm not contrasting him to Susan Rice, who went on television, lied to the American people about what happened in Benghazi, lied to the world over and over again, 
where's the criticism of her? So we have the reason the country has lurched so far to the left is in part because of the media. And the media is left because we power our schools to the left. The K-12 through university and, of course, all the journalism schools don't even even have one conservative sitting on their faculties. So uh, this is a this is a crucial battle, political battle. Tame the media, discredit them, although they discredit themselves. And, you, and that's the biggest thing. Right. I mean, why why do people not believe the media? Because people aren't stupid. Mm-hmm. They don't see what the media lies all the time, and what and how prejudiced it is in behalf of the communist left in this country. And not to mention and the, the fact that left too. Well, yeah, well, I, you, you know. Control the message and you control minds. You're, you're right. They've taken over the education system and the media in this country, and they have been successful in moving the country left. But they couldn't not reveal who they really are. So the American people saw the Candy Crowley situation. The American people saw in the debates these so-called moderators attacking and attacking and attacking Republicans in a way that they didn't do the left. And they were giving the, the all left candidates in primaries in the general election a pass. And, you know, then they saw the collusion that was revealed in the WikiLeaks. I mean, we had, you know, uh, CNN giving the questions to Hillary Clinton. So you're right. The American people were not fooled. The American people pushed back and took this country back. But now the left is doubling down in order to regain control over the minds. And one of the things that you talk about in your book is that President Trump's agenda is not just about jumpstarting the economy and defeating radical Islam, but, quote, putting the Democrat Party out of business once and for all. That's quite an agenda. How how do you know that that's his plan, and how do you think he's going to try to accomplish it? Well, look, I mean, here's the thing. Um, Big Agenda, this, this book I've written, uh, is a lot about the left, about their malevolent uh, intentions and what they do. Uh, and, and, and the biggest thing, the biggest well, the left has a couple of weapons, but the biggest one is what's called political correctness. It's, it's labeling anybody who disagrees with them a racist, sexist, homophobe, Islamophobe. And uh, I, I think a seminal, I described this in my book, the seminal moment in the campaign came in the second when Trump looked into the cameras and he said, you have to understand that's hard. The Democratic Party because this, this, what he was referring to is the basket of deplorables, which all conservatives are supposed to be in. Race, and she identified them, racist, sexist, homophobe, Islamophobe. What conservative has been in an argument with a so-called liberal who has not been called racist, sexist, homophobe, Islamophobe? The Democratic Party is a party of hate. Unless you talk about Unless you have the cojones to identify them for what they are, you're going to lose because they're busy, uh, you know, consigning you to eternal damnation, to drumming you out of the human race by calling you names. And Trump showed in the primary, showed then in the election campaign, that he's not afraid to call a spade a spade. And so you think that by willing, by calling, continuing to push back and calling them a spade or spade, a spade, a spade, that he will put the Democrats out of business? Is that his plan or is there like a policy agenda? I don't remember writing that, but it would be metaphorical. The Democrats have to be beaten so soon at the polls in 2018 and 2020 that those in the party... Uh, there are people in the Democratic Party uh, who can come to their senses mm-hmm. and push the Bernie Sanders communists, you know, off the radar screen. What you have to understand is that Bernie Sanders, a lifelong supporter of communist causes, who chose to have his honeymoon in Moscow mm-hmm. during the Cold War, uh, when the KGB was running the Soviet Union. He would have been the Democratic Party nominee if the crooked Clintons hadn't fixed the primaries with the help of Donna Brazile and mm-hmm. Debbie Wasserman Schultz. That is the Democratic Party today. 
Yeah. The reason it's the Democratic Party is because our schools, that's what our schools are today. Safe places for anti-American communist ideas. Absolutely. In fact, this is the Democrat Party today is 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 more the party of Castro than it is of Kennedy. And in it, and I'm glad oh, you're. Yeah, yeah I'm if glad John you're. If Kennedy were alive, he would be called an arch right wing conservative. Mm-hmm. He was very. He, he was a militant anti communist, which would may and made him a militant anti Islamic uh, uh, supremacist. Uh, he was for he was uh, a hawk. On defense, had the largest military buildup in peacetime history, whereas Obama's been dismantling our military. He was for a capital gains tax cut and a balanced budget. Extreme right winger by today's standards. Now, uh, there are many people. The reason why I kept asking about putting the Democrats out of business, there's a lot of people who believe that Trump has the has the opportunity to do that. The incredible opportunity to turn this country around, to take it back from the Marxists on the left. And I see that he faces two ideologies. One is those Marxists on the left that have been indoctrinated and that have churned out all these socialists demanding safe places for themselves and tyranny for others through socialism. But he also faces a GOP establishment that you talked about at the beginning of the interview. If you're just tuning in, by the way, I'm talking to David Horowitz about his amazing new book, Big Agenda. He faces two ideology or one ideology, two opposition parties. How does he right now? He's 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 one month in some of his big agenda items that you outlaid in your book, 16 big policy items, uh, economic jumpstart and all that. There's some infighting going on with the Republican Party. How does he how does he fight both of these ideologies or the I guess it's one ideology, yeah, two opposition I mean, parties. How does he do it? It's a really big problem. Um, the Republican, the never Trump Republicans. Um, and the John McCain, that's a big problem. Uh, and the, the people who want to repair Obamacare after promising for eight years to repeal it, mm-hmm. um, you have to wonder what goes on in these people's heads. Um, so he's got a, a tall task. But if he delivers, as I believe he will, on the wall, on the tax cuts, on the better trade deals, on defeating ISIS, uh, on a new deal for black America that will break the back of the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he can succeed. Uh, and, and by putting the Democratic Party out of business, what one has to mean is that they lose big time. Mm-hmm. So they return to their uh, roots where they were. They were a liberal party. They're not liberal anymore. Uh, I, I hate it when conservatives call these people liberals because they're complete, they're bigots, they're intolerant. Uh, they don't believe, they believe in suppressing the other side. Uh, and if he, I hope that he does the voter fraud uh, survey. It's, it's interesting how all these line media people say there is no voter fraud. How can they possibly know that since there's never been a study? nationwide of the voter fraud, and we have lots of evidence that it's taking place on a significant scale. Um, If he does all of that, the Democratic Party will be reduced to a minority party. Uh, It already is just a coastal party, Um, but he needs to win the popular vote in 2020 by a good margin. When that happens, there are Democrats um, who will reform the party, as it were. I agree with you there. I think it's going to come down to results because I think it was lack of results in some key states that were considered to be the blue wall that were never going to vote for Trump. The blue wall. Hillary didn't even bother to go there. And the Democrat Party didn't realize that rhetoric wasn't working anymore for these blue collar people, the forgotten man that couldn't afford to feed their kids that was having to pay five dollars for a loaf of bread. You know, the platitudes on the bumper stickers that may work in New York City or whatever, but it wasn't working anymore in these areas. They were not able to deliver the results of. Uh, and Trump has an opportunity now to deliver results that will mean more to them than the leftist platitudes and, and the weapons that have been used in the form of political correctness and calling everybody the isms, you know, the racist or, you know, any of that. So I think you're absolutely right. It's going to come down to results and of his policies. How can people find your book? Oh, the book uh, my book, Big Agenda, 
President Trump's plan to save Americans. And he owned the Barnes and Nobles. It's on Amazon. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, David. I appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day. Well, thank you for having me. I cannot wait to read that book myself. I love Trump's big agenda. And it's like he said at his rally the other day. He said they're attacking me because they know that I'm implementing my agenda and it's going to work. And the left, they don't want to be run out of business. Speaking of business, we're going to take a little business break and we come back. We're going to talk to none other than this was a listener request that I booked this next guest. It's none other than the Fox News 18, Dr. Keith Ablo coming right back up. So don't go anywhere, Andrea K. Show listeners. We got more on the other side of the break. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Super glad to have you all with me. And I'm so excited and honored to have my next guest here, which I have to confess, this was an idea that I booked this gentleman, this fabulous gentleman from one of my listeners who saw an amazing video that he did um, talking to Neil Cavuto the other day. It is none other than Fox News A-Team, Dr. Keith Ablo, first time on the Andrea K Show. Hey, Dr. Ablo, are you with me? Hi. Hi. Now, I'm not sure as we were trying to get you on the line, I'm not sure how much of my diatribe you heard. And by the way, this is none other than Dr. Keith Ablo from the Fox News Medical Aid team with me. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Well, thanks for having me. Okay. Now, I don't know if you heard, but let me lay it out what I was just talking about. I was talking about how going back even before, not just during the primary and the general election and even now, but even going back to when Donald Trump first years ago talked about possibly running for president, the narrative about him is that he's he's unfit for office because he's some kind of crazy dude that shouldn't be allowed anywhere near the nuclear code, that he's unfit for office, unstable. That continued not only during the general election, but even just this last week when he came out and did what many people thought was a brilliant press conference. And they, we even had Jake Tapper refer to him as unhinged. And I'm saying that so much of him and his mannerisms and, and his methods are all because he's an outsider. And that's why he was elected. But yet he seems to be criticized because of what he's doing doesn't sound like a normal politician. I think that's what the criticisms are based on. How do you see it as a doctor? Yeah, you know, I I see it this way. Um, he's not polished. He doesn't speak in the fineries of political speak. And so people have a reaction to that. He's, he's actually fairly unscripted. And so they react to that and they say, well, that just sounds crazy to me. Listen, you know, when I was in medical school before I chose psychiatry as a specialty, I rotated through surgery. And some of the most gifted surgeons had the most quirks. They were the ones who would throw an instrument at times or mutter something under their breath. They were irascible. Um, They were also geniuses. And so how did we become, as a nation, so resolute that our leaders need to be homogenized, that they need to speak uh, in, in, you know, with many sighs and ums and ahs, and as though they're writing speeches on the fly. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is not eloquent. Nobody would say he's an eloquent speaker, but that could be what recommends him. He's a plain-spoken person. He can't hide his foibles. But isn't that refreshing? How does that make somebody unfit? 
for office as opposed to extremely fit for office. Well, I yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I think it's because he does sound like the average American and talks like the average American that it, not only is that why he was forgiven by Americans in terms of some of the things that were revealed, like that Billy Bush, you know, audio tape. I think it's in part why he was elected, because it's like I was saying before, Americans are tired of hearing somebody perfectly articulate lie to them and promise them. Many things on the campaign trail that they have no ability or desire to actually fulfill. And, you know, I and to me, it just also speaks to the to the divide, because we've got the average American that voted for him in spite of his foibles, in spite of his inarticulate nature at times. But we've got his critics, many of which are establishment politicians, some of them Republicans that are all ganging up and saying, see, he's unfit for office. And I really think that there is a it's based on on a political and personal agenda. But I'm also wondering if it's not just flat out projection. You know, the people calling him unhinged are many of the people kind of acting a little unhinged themselves. Right, doctor? Well, absolutely. Listen, you know, Donald Trump seems not to my eye. Look, I examined the man, but he doesn't seem to be laboring under any uh, mental disorder. Let's not forget, though, Abraham Lincoln was, you know, he suffered with extraordinary depression at times. Winston Churchill is said to have had bipolar disorder. Uh, Gandhi is said to have had terrible black periods of depression. So it's not like folks who have moods or even mood disorders can't serve and change the world in profound ways. But Donald Trump doesn't show signs of that. You know, Donald Trump's kind of like the guy you call after all the, you know, high-end contractors have been to your house and told you about the architectural underpinnings and every other uh, engineering term, and you have somebody refreshing comes over and he says, look, I've built 150 houses. Let me tell you what's going on. It's your roof. This is what has to happen. Trust me, I can do it. And for half what those guys told you, how is that a bad thing? <laughs> right. What's happened to half of America that they think that being told the truth is equivalent to having someone speak crazy talk to them? Well, I think I think that Donald Trump really suffers from the disease of conservatism and traditional American and traditional American values. And that's really what they despise and dislike so much. And, you know, it, it reminded me I was thinking before our interview today, the divide is so deep and so great. And, yes. and the in so much in part based upon if you look at all these protests from Berkeley and all around everywhere, it's so much based not in fact and truth. They don't want to hear fact and truth. It's it's emotions and, and, and they don't want to hear the truth. And I was thinking about an article in a magazine Mama used to get. I think it was Ladies Home Journal. Can this marriage be saved? Do you think that even with the results David Horowitz thinks that if Donald Trump delivers results that it can unite America. I'm seeing so much emotion based crazy out there that it is projection. The very people that are calling him unhinged are unhinged themselves. And I'm wondering, can this marriage be saved, this division in America, doctor? Well, not necessarily, and it is necessarily essential because, look, after eight years, Barack Obama instilling self-hatred in at least half of the American population such that they believe that things American are bad, uh, not everybody can be reclaimed. From that, some people will remain mired in the idea that a global government in which people, if they're not part of the intelligentsia, have no rights and become homogenized and subjugated, that that's the way to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, For those people, Donald Trump will continue to be an irritant and a representation of everything they consider to be bad about the world, namely patriotism, right? Barack Obama was elected on a wave of anti-American or sentiment or fear. Oh, my God, they've attacked us at 9-11. Perhaps the best defense is to elect somebody whose name is a contraction, by the way, which I've observed before, of two of our enemies, Osama bin Laden uh, and uh, uh, Hussein. And so uh, the bottom line is, I think that after that period of time, now the Stockholm syndrome can end. So Stockholm syndrome is when, you know, a plane was captured, it was hijacked, the people on board came to parrot the ideas of their captors. Why? It seemed safer mm-hmm. than stating 
their real, real feelings, their internal feelings. I think that America was captured in a certain way, had Stockholm Syndrome. We had somebody in the corner office telling us how bad we were, mm-hmm. going on an apology tour, and paving the way, essentially, for the truth to surface again. It's a great country. It's mm-hmm. the best country on Earth. Donald Trump, uh, if he is a narcissist, you know what? He's our narcissist, <laughs> yeah. and he's strongly about America. Last question for you, and this came from one of the listeners when they heard you were going to be on the show. They were they were wondering, what's the psychology behind the fact that you, maybe it is the Stockholm Syndrome, but you've got all these people on the left that say that they're champions for women. Meanwhile, they're marching literally with Sharia proponents, and Sharia is all about subjugating women, stony women for being raped female genital mutilation, putting young girls right. out as brides. How can you, what's the psychology between these people that are literally defending the ideology? They hate the pro-American ideology and they're defending that. I mean, that's not exactly how the, right. the listener posed the question. Um, they, they basically said, you know, what, why are liberals, you know, in love with, obsessed with Islam was the question. I kind of rephrased it. Right, because they swallowed this whole notion, as you've said on your show, they've swallowed this whole notion that we created our enemies and that the presence of America and Americanism uh, is a blight on the world stage. That when Barack Obama was elected and said, I'm going to fundamentally transform the country, uh, they took that to mean, oh, good, well, you'll erase uh, some of the bad we've done, right? Donald Trump comes and he reminds us that America has always been a force for greatness, for good. And not everybody's going to get aboard with that. You know, the results may come, but don't forget, the results may be that there are more jobs, that the stock market goes higher, that there's optimism. But for the folks marching, that may just represent to them the reawakening of a terrible monster. America, the terrible America. And those folks may be lost. There may not be a way to get them back. And you know what? That's okay. Because we shouldn't look for the common ground, what Ayn Rand called the the man in the middle. You don't want to be the man in the middle. Stand for what you believe. uh, And I stand with Donald Trump for what he believes, and I think you do too. Mm -hmm. And uh, not everybody's going to get on board. That's okay. They can continue to clamor for socialism. In the end, the truth always wins. And the truth here is that America was great for the ideas that preceded Barack Obama, not the ones that he brought. Well, thank you so much for bringing your ideas here. I really appreciate it so much, Dr. Keith Ablo. And you're also a columnist. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. How can people read more of your blog post and see more of you? Uh, they can go right to foxnews.com. Lots of blogs there. That's probably the best way. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being here. I appreciate it. And thank you for your support of Trump and for America. Well, thank you, too. All Take right. care now. Okay. All right. Now, we come back. We've got another amazing expert on the Andrea K. Show, Dr. Herb London, who's going to be here and talking about we actually have an NSA nominee, H.R. McAster. So stay tuned. We're going to talk about him. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. 
I'm just having such the best time on this show today because I'm just loving my amazing panel of guests. And back with me is Herb London, president of the London Center for Policy Research and author of the new book. This is another one I have to read. Leading from Behind the Obama Doctrine and the U.S. Retreat from International Affairs. That's a mouthful in that. And and, but man, talk about a disaster of a foreign policy. Uh, Welcome back to the show, Herb. Well, pleasure to be with you as always. Okay, now, um, great news, I guess. We have a nominee. We have a new national security advisor. And I guess, you know, this is coming after a few different names and different twists and turns in the process. Um, I'm, I'm hearing some great things about him, but like that he's a tanker. Not sure what that means. Um, that he's a master strategist who was actually instrumental in coming up with a strategy that actually led to the surge in Iraq, which led to the victory in Iraq that was dismantled under Obama. That he wrote a great book called Dereliction of Duty, in which he was critical of LBJ and others and McNamara and others in the Vietnam War. Um, so there's lots of excitement about him, but I'm also hearing that some people questioning the fact that he might be a little too politically correct when it comes to a radical Islam. How do you see this appointment? Well, look, it's very difficult to judge at this point. There's no question that he is a master strategist. The book that he wrote about Vietnam, I regard as one of the most important books ever written on the subject. So I, I do think that he's a kind of military intellectual. That I regard as a positive. But whether, in fact, he is suited for the role depends in large part on whether he gets along with Donald Trump. I mean, after all, the president and the national security advisor are, are joined uh, hand in glove. So I think a lot will depend on how he manages to get on with the president. Speaking of that, um, there's some concerns with the fact that it, he's active duty and most and will remain active duty. And some people are saying that regardless of whether or not there's any divisions in their philosophy of how to fight radical Islam, that because he's not um, a private sector dude who can basically tell the commander in chief, hey, you know, I don't like where you're going with this foreign policy business, bugger off and quit because he's active duty. He doesn't really have that choice. And that's that's really kind of not a good um, not a good element to have in the relationship. How do you see that? Well, it's, again, it's very difficult to say. I mean, my, my guess is that you have to be able to determine the character of the man. McMaster is a person who is obviously his own person. He is, as I've suggested before, a very intelligent guy. So my suspicion is he will make some sort of evaluation of the landscape and make judgments of his own. Again, can he get along with the president? Can he pretty much provide a pathway for the president into foreign policy issues. A lot of that is to be determined. In the case of Mike Flynn, because Mike was so deeply involved in the campaign, it was a little different. You knew something about Mike. You knew something about his relationship to Trump. But, of course, things have changed, and this is a very different man. Well, I have to I have to confess that when I heard the gushing coming out of John McCain over him, that actually gave me a little pause because at first I'm liking this guy and liking everything I'm reading about him. But because I see John McCain as as someone who's doing everything he can to undermine Trump and I see and uh, me and John and John McCain are on the other side of some issues, you know, that actually gave me a little pause about him. And I'm hoping that he is somebody while he has a history of um, being critical of people and I like that. I like critical thinkers. I like people that, that are independent thinkers. I also hope that he's on board to help fulfill Trump's vision of foreign policy. Well, you raise an interesting point. I mean, John has been a critic of, of President Trump, and I think that that gives me pause as well. But it's also true that if you look at the history of McMaster, he's his own man. I mean, this guy is quite independent. It strikes me that that's precisely what you need in the office of the National Security Advisor. That's true, because the, the, the job is to advise. But I'm, I'm hoping and I'm curious what you think this signals in terms of actual foreign policy. A lot of the critics are saying, oh, my gosh, the, first of all, it's the 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 in the argument all day long. The criticism all day long is that not only is Trump unhinged, but that his White House and his complete administration is in complete chaos, especially the foreign policy arena. It's like dude hadn't even been gotten his cabinet in place. He's barely been in office one month. I do think that he's got a a vision for foreign policy, and I'm hoping McMaster's is on board with it. But what do you think that foreign policy will look like? Well, look, I think there are the president is being tested right now with Iran and North Korea. 
and there will continue to be tests in the first couple of months of this administration. A lot depends on how he responds and the kind of guidance that he's given. So it's a little premature to make any hard judgments. The one thing that is true is that the left is relentless. They will seek every opportunity to challenge this president. So I don't take too seriously the comments that have been made thus far about this array in the White House. By and large, he selected an outstanding cabinet. Yeah, I think there are territorial wars within the White House. I also think that the president hasn't yet gotten his footing. And so there remains, there's an awful lot that remains to be seen. But I'm not so, I'm not so, uh, I think, negative about the way things, things are unfolding. In fact, I'm really quite sanguine about the opportunities that exist and the president's desire to put in place a foreign policy very different from what we experienced during the eight Obama years. Yeah. I, uh, the Bush doctrine, I think, was you're either with us or against us. Uh, the Obama doctrine seemed to be, you know, um, neuter America militarily and economically and embolden our enemies, um, minimizing America's strength. I think that President Trump actually has kind of a clear foreign policy. I think his doctrine is put America first. That means going to NATO and telling them to pony up some money, all these NATO countries. I think it's about uh, putting America first in, in, in terms of immigration policy to fight radical Islam coming here, as well as asking Joint Chiefs and others to come up with a plan to defeat jihad around the world. I kind of think his foreign policy is more coherent than Obama's was. Do you? I couldn't agree more. I mean, look, the Obama foreign policy was neither foreign nor policy because it was based on the proposition that the United States should engage in withdrawal. Withdrawal is not a policy. That is to create a kind of vacuum in foreign policy. And what we've seen in the world as a result of the Obama stance is that that vacuum is filled. It's filled by the Russians, the Chinese, ISIS, Iran. Our enemies fill that vacuum. Absolutely. Well, I hope that you'll be be back on the show and keep keep watch for us on the foreign policy of President Trump. I encourage everybody to get get your book. I'm going to read it. And yeah, you know, he's 30 days in office. I think we've got a lot of time to see how things play out. And one thing I think we know for sure is that if Donald Trump doesn't see that somebody's doing their job and fulfilling his vision, he's going to get rid of them and he's going to ask for their resignation. So thanks for being. I think that's right. Yes. So, Herb, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you very much. All right. Um, here's a story that I'm not going to spend a huge amount of time on, and I wasn't wasn't going to cover it at all um, because, number one, um, it, it's about Milo. And I think it's number one, I wasn't going to go there because it seems as though people's emotional attachments to him are making it difficult to have kind of an objective conversation about it. Um, number two, you know, I, I, you know, you know, he's an individual. I don't know him. Why would I want to talk about him? And number three, I kind of thought, you know what, there's bigger, more important stories out there. And then when that occurred to me that that's why I wasn't going to talk about it, I realized how wrong I was. Because as as conservatives, if we say we're pro-life and we care about babies in the womb, we should also care about children and that there should be nothing more important in our lives than taking care of children and making sure that they're safe. And. I don't, you know, I don't know Roman Polanski either or Lena Dunham. I do know that they're heroes of the left. I know that Whoopi Goldberg was talking about thir- a 13-year-old girl being raped by Polanski. That wasn't rape-rape. Lena Dunham talked about in a book about sexually abusing her little sister for a year. They're heroes. And why? Because that's, what the le- that's part of the left's agenda. They're trying to blur the lines of, of sexuality. They're trying to, in, in terms of gender, in terms of sex, it's LBGTQ, HMO, people, YZ. You know, all these different categories. The next area that they want to conquer is normalizing sex with children. And as conservatives, we cannot allow ourselves. Why? Why am I even having to debate this with conservatives? I do not understand this because Milo is somebody that you had some kind of attachment to. He was a great voice for a while for bringing in the OBGT community to the Trump campaign. But and I want to take him out of it. Because this, I'm, ta- I'm talking about children today and doing what we need to do to protect children. And as conservatives, that's what we should be doing. And we should be focused on that, not any individual here. You know, one of the reasons why that we as conservatives, yeah, we abide by the law. But we're also supposed to have a set of morals and values that supersedes the law. And that doesn't, and what I mean by that is we know that right now, you can, you can go and have an abortion, have your water break, and go and abort a baby in the birth canal. But does that mean just because it's legal that conservatives are supposed to be on board with it? 
here in this country right now, you and and part of the argument I'm hearing from people is, well, you know, um, you know, age of consent is kind of a fluid thing. No, that's not. It should not be any more fluid than somebody's gender. Just because your parts work at a certain point does not mean that you have the mental and emotional capacity to make a choice for yourself. That's one reason why children don't get to vote until they're 18 or go serve in the armed forces when they're 18. And let me tell you, having been a victim of a sexual abuse does not then give you a pass either. Because you know what? Victims of sexual abuse, unless they deal with what's done with them, they're going to go on to abuse others. And we've got to make sure that as conservatives, we don't allow ourselves for any reason to be dragged into any kind of discussion as to when the age of consent should be. I know I sound like I'm rattling because I'm starting to get really emotionally caught up in this story. Once a child has been abused and molested, they are destroyed forever. They are essentially murdered. That person is gone. And there's no justification for it. And I don't want to hear from conservatives, um, you know, any any. Sexual abuse of any kind of any minor should never be justified or excused in any way by anybody. And we as conservatives, and I don't even care if at some point that becomes legal in this country. We as conservatives are supposed to stand up for the rights of children. Your parts may work when you're 70 years old, but be so mentally incapacitated and, and unable to consent. It's not about whether or not your parts are working at a certain point. That's my thoughts on the story. It's not about him. It's about taking care of children. Um, In the time I have remaining, I want to do last week's tool, this week's Fool and Hero of the Week awards. Uh, My last week's tool, this week's Fool award, I'm going to go with that first. Actually, you know, I'm going to calm down a little bit because I'm getting really upset. I'm going to go with Hero of the Week. Let's go with something positive. My Hero of the Week, believe it or not, is none other than Bill O'Reilly from The O'Reilly Factor. I'm not usually a fan of his, but this is a man who's got the number one show on cable news. He's been in media and broadcast and journalism for decades. And he played last night on his show the sickening video of John McCain sucking up to MSNBC and totally busted him on air. And then he, he humiliated a liberal activist who dared to lie and say that there was conservative representation across the mainstream media. And that is absolutely not true. There is a war on truth happening By the mainstream media, they are the enemy of the people. Hat tip to you, Bill O'Reilly, for finally saying it and using your incredibly powerful pedestal to do it. Speaking of that segment, my last week's Fool This Week's Tool Award goes to none other than Mick Rhino himself, John McCain, who evidently doesn't seem to, in spite of his military service with which he hides behind as a shield to cover up his, his elitist liberal big government crap, Evidently, that military service did not educate him as to what a dictator is and educate him to the fact that we don't have a free press. Hey, John McCain, when we have a media like CNN hiding and colluding with Hillary Clinton and her campaign and even feeding her debate questions, we do not have a free press. And if you want to know what a dictator is, look backwards to Obama, who treated Cheryl Atkinson and James Rosen as enemies of the state. Remember show Atkinson sitting on her laptop and seeing the government actually wiping out her articles as she was on her own laptop? Yeah, that happened under Obama, not Trump. Anyway, thank you all for being here on my show. Whoo, I got fired up during that Taking Care of Children segment. I'm always fired up every Tuesday, 6 p.m., right here on AM 1170. Thank you to all my amazing guests, from David Horowitz to Keith Ablo to Herb London, to all of you out there on Facebook Live and listening to the show. And thank you, DJ Carrot Sticks, handling all our little techie issues we had here. No piece of cake. Love you all. Till next time. Mwah. Color TV screen. Out